good and tired. <laughs> I'm not cold. A grateful? Is that what you said? Did you say grateful? What did you say? Cold. You did. You cold did say cold. <laughs> well, let's pray and uh, thank God for wherever we're at this morning. <laughs> Lord, we come to you um, in many different states of mind and body. And uh, I admit that I'm preoccupied right now, but I pray that you would clear my heart and my mind and my soul and particularly my eyes, Lord. If my eyes are blinded by whatever is happening around in the world or in my heart or just in the day, that you would take those blinders off and help me to see things from your perspective. Because it would just open up so much more. We would see so much more than what we see now. So we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand up together. Open the eyes. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Oh, I want to see you. See you high. To see you high and lifted up. Shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as we sing holy. Holy, 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 holy. 
Yeah. 
that you have given 
earth there's so many times that you showed that to us and even now in our lives things are happening around us all the time and we don't see them Lord would you open our eyes to see you for who you truly are and you will take us to places where we could never imagine because you call us out by faith You are mine. 
Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my call upon your name keep my eyes above the waves my soul will rest in your embrace I am yours and you are mine church. We're glad that you're um, able to come and join us this morning. You know, I love spring mornings, and um, I, for me, it's, the, it's my most favorite time of the year. You know, um, you go outside, you can hear the birds, you, it's real peaceful, and one of the things about being a Christian is having God's peace rest in our hearts. So why don't you turn to your neighbors and greet each other, greet each other with peace be with you. Okay, so once again, welcome to Harvest Community Church. Um, if, you're, if you're here for the first time or if you have any prayer requests, there's a, um, a welcome card in the bulletin that you could fill out. Please fill that out, and when the offering bag comes, comes around later in the service, drop that in. So we're going to go through the announcements. Uh, the first one is that we're still in need of Promised Land teachers. So if this is something that you feel um, led to, we have an opening for you. <laughs> All right, so I, I think there's openings in many of the different um, grades and ages, so um, you can either see Sammy or Herman or Ellie um, or email uh, harvestpromiseland at gmail.com. Summer retreat is going to be August 11th through the 13th at Alpine Camp, and you have one more week for early bird registration. And, you know, going there last year, it, it's just a great event. It's great to be able to worship God together in a different setting 
but it's also great to be able to fellowship with um, other people in the church and really get to know some people that, you know, maybe you, you don't know that well. So mark that in your calendars. Contact um, Polly for more information. Prayer Circle is going to be on Wednesday, April 26th from 8 to 9 at the Chow's House. The Park is going to be meeting on Saturday, April 29th at 6 p.m. at Irvine Presbyterian Church. And then um, mark your calendars for Thursday, May 4th, um, and join us in the National Day of Prayer. And this is going to be held at 6 p.m. at Irvine City Hall. And we'll be gathering with other congregations throughout the community, um, praying, praying for God, I mean, praying for our nation, and seeking, seeking God's guidance. And then also we have um, um, associated with that um, a Chick-fil-A opportunity for you. Okay, so there's a um, little handout in your, in your um, bulletins, and this is for a um, fundraiser that, that we're doing. You could either um, stop by Chick-fil-A before or after the National Day of Prayer, and 20% of the total purchases will go towards Harvest Community Church. So it's a good way to, to fundraise and fill our stomachs at the same time. And then um, I'm going to ask Brian and Gabe to come up. They're, they have an announcement. Hi. So uh, we're representing the SPINS group, and we've had uh, three meetings thus far. We started back in uh, December, and we meet every other month um, right after church. And we just wanted to share a little bit about uh, what the SPINS group is because we're going to be changing some of the format uh, as well as adding a, a new group. Um, so SPINS is a, a group that's open to anybody. It's a grief fellowship, and um, the, the purpose of the group is just to share with others um, as we're going through periods of uh, change, pain, or transition. Um, and uh, the, the group is uh, open to anybody who is in any season of change. We all go through it in our lives. Um, and it's um, there to provide uh, people to talk to, uh, an open forum to share, as well as um, some skills to help you in your own life um, dealing with stress and with dealing with grief. Um, I did mention that we are changing the, uh, the format of the group, and that's um, that we're going to be incorporating both o open groups and closed groups. And the purpose of that is to have open groups in order to invite new people in uh, and for people to get a taste of, of what's it about. Uh, but we're also incorporating closed groups, uh, which will be uh, just for people who have previously attended a spins group before. Um, and the purpose of that is to um, create a little bit more intimate of an environment and to just protect that space uh, for people who would like to uh, have it a little bit more private. Um, so the open groups that we will be having are May, November, and December. Um, and so that means the next group that we'll be having is May 7th. So if that's something that you're interested in, uh, we meet right after service. Um, and uh, we also have a uh, FAQ sheet in the back. Uh, if you have any questions or if you want some more information um, or just uh, want to um, see what kinds of resources are out there. Um, and as I mentioned, it's also for periods of change. And Brian's going to talk about uh, something new that we have going on. Thank you, Gabe. 
And also in light of the church transition, we are, actually, sorry, man. We are, we are making a special event on June 11th. So the topic will be the church transition. And it's not a, a place to vent and complain, but it's to talk about, just talk about anything you, you feel about what's going on. It could be sadness, it could be anger, whatever it may be. But we just want to make it open where it's a place where you can come, we hope we can make it, and we'll just, uh, we won't be complaining, but we'll just be able to process all our feelings and everything. So we invite all of you to come there on June 11th for the special topic. Thank you. Okay, thanks, Brian. Thanks, Gabe. And then also, mark your calendars for May 27th. Um, we're going to have an outreach fundraiser event. And um, we're going to have the pleasure of, of having the International Dancers of Sun Lakes that will be performing. They're going to do a variety of international dances. And we're also going to have some um, talented harvesters. So this is a great event that um, you can invite your friends, family, and of course we want you to come. And um, we could also use it for, for fundraising. Uh, Priscilla is going to be selling tickets outside. So, um, you know, you could be first in line, get, get the best seats. Right, front row, right? Okay. <laughs> so today, Pastor Curtis is going to be talking about um, not seeing yet believing. So, you know, as a parent, there's, there's certain milestones in, in a parent's life, right? Birth of your child, right? First birthday party, graduation from elementary school, middle school, high school, graduation from college, Marriage, first child, okay, or first grandchild. So this is a story about my son Daniel. He graduated May of 2016 from Penn State. <laughs> okay, so that, that's a great event, right? Because, hey, you know, I mean, that's one less child to pay for their education. <laughs> and it can go out, go out and start earning money, right? But how do you validate that they graduated? That's how you validate that they graduated? <laughs> diploma. Don't you want to see their diploma? Okay, so anyway, all right. He went through, he went through the spring semester 2016. He had to take two, two more courses online, okay? Took those courses. After, after that's finished, you know, we're, we're, we're wondering, well, where's your diploma? Did you even check? He goes, oh, I'm, I'm going to check, you know. And then he comes back, oh, I have one more course I got to take in the summer. I go, wait, wait a second. You, you had two courses in the spring to finish, just two courses online. Now you're telling me one more course in the summer? Okay. One more course in the summer. Okay, so finishes that course. Okay, Daniel, where's your, di where's your diploma? Oh, I'm going to, I'll check into it. Okay. So wait a few weeks. That turns into a few months. Wait, wait, where is your diploma? <laughs> so then he calls the, now back east, they call the regist register's office the bursar's office. Okay, so anyway, he calls the bursar's office. And they said, oh, we mailed your diploma. Well, where did you mail it? We mailed it to your apartment in Penn State. So anyway, you know, we're, we're going, well, can you check with, Daniel, can you check with your apartment? Try to find out where is your diploma, all right? Checks with his apartment. We don't, we don't know what happened to it, you know? So then just chasing this around. Now it's turning into 
win fall, winter time, where is your diploma? <laughs> so um, finally he contacts the bursar's office because Juliet is now hounding him, right? And then they say, well, we could make do a replacement diploma and then you know, mail it to you. We go, no, no, don't mail it. We'll pay for FedEx or whatever it is. We want to sign for it. Finally, they, they FedExed it to our home, right? They go, okay, it's going to take about 10 days. You'll get in 10 days. All right? 10 business days, so maybe it's three weeks. So we wait like two weeks, three weeks, no diploma. <laughs> we asked Daniel. Now I'm thinking either he doesn't care, <laughs> right? He's too lazy. I mean, what, what, what is it? You know, so he contacts FedEx, or con FedEx contacts him and says, oh, there's no one, no one there to sign for it, so we have it here to pick up. So he, had, he then goes after work, goes to FedEx in Irvine, picks up his diploma, and says, oh, I got it. I go, I want to see a picture of it. <laughs> Send us a picture. <laughs> he sent it. Now we believe. Okay, <laughs> okay let's turn to John. <laughs> Chapter 20, we'll start on verse 19. So turn to John, chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of, of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, was one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord, but he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the, in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord, my God. Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of, of his disciples, which were not recorded in this book. But these are writing, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Curtis. Thank you. So it's the week after Easter, and the passage that we're looking at today is exactly the passage of what was happening exactly one week after Resurrection Sunday. And as we read this story, 
as Dwayne was reading this story, we're made aware of things that we cannot see now. These are history things. These are things that happened over 2,000 years ago. And the question is, do you believe it? Do you really believe that what happened over 2,000 years ago in a place where nothing was able to be recorded so that we couldn't take a picture of it and see it, there, there's no way of going back and finding out were they really in that room? Do you really believe that happened? There are a lot of things that are in this room right now that we cannot see, but we probably believe in. There's Wi-Fi going on in this room. There's cell signals going through this room. Um, there's electricity that's, that's working, that's giving us the ability to hear my voice amplified or to see the video projection. There are a lot of things that are in this room that we don't see, but we believe they're here. There's air, and we can't see it. And we're not floating around, so we believe that there's gravity. There are all these things in the world that we believe, but we do not see. And for most part, we're just glad that they work, right? So I don't know how Wi-Fi works, but I'm just happy when it does, and I'm extremely unhappy when it doesn't. I, I'm really happy when the signals on the street work, and I don't know how they work. I don't know the circuitry. I don't know the computers, but they work. When they don't work, it's very frustrating, and it makes life frustrating for other people as well. In the spiritual life, there are also things that we cannot see but are true. In fact, they are much more important than the things that happen in the tangible world, in technology or science. There are things that are happening in our spiritual lives that we cannot see, but are just as real. It's only natural, though, for us to doubt and to have some forms of doubt about the spiritual world because we are flesh and we are spirit, but we cannot see the things of the spirit. We can only see the things of the flesh. And so it takes faith to believe in things that we cannot see. I'm sure that all of us have dealt with doubt in different ways. I know I've struggled with doubt at many different times in my life. But I have found that if you hang on, if you hold on, if you continue to believe, then doubt can be, yes, it's dark, but it can be like the dark soil. It can be the dark soil that in our lives helps us to still have something grow even though it is yet unseen. And so today we're looking at a passage of the apostles, and not just Thomas, but all of them, where they were not able to see certain things and certainly things about Jesus, and yet they were able to believe. God wants us to know that we can still believe even though we don't fully understand. Jesus wants us to know that he will come to us. He'll come to us in our doubts. I think it's easy to think that because I doubt, God won't come to me. If I doubt, then maybe God won't bless me. But if we look in our Bibles at Luke chapter 24, Luke chapter 24, verses 9 through 11. Luke 24, 9 through 11. We're going to see how the disciples, how the apostles responded to the news of Jesus' resurrection. The disciples were not people that were filled with a lot of faith in those days and at that time. They were people that had run away. The last time they had seen Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And when the soldiers came, the Bible says that they all deserted him. That was the last experience that the disciples had together with Jesus. And then they've been in hiding. 
and they've heard about the resurrection, but they haven't yet seen Jesus. And then in Luke chapter 24, verses 9 through 11, the Bible says, so they, this is the, these are the women, so the women rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. How did the disciples respond to the news of the resurrection? The Bible says they thought it was nonsense, and they did not believe. Now, that is the reality of where their faith was at. That's where they were with God. That's where they were with Jesus. And how would you expect Jesus to respond to them? I mean, if you were one of them, and now you're about to see Jesus, and he really is alive, but you know you've let him down. You know you have run away from him. You've deserted him. You know that he heard your heart thought when you said, ha, that's nonsense. What would you expect Jesus to do? Well, I wouldn't have expected this. What Jesus does is he gives them peace, and he greets them. And we read this at the end of verse 19. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Peace be with you. And this peace in Greek is arene, but it's the equivalent of the Hebrew shalom. And that means complete wholeness and well-being. It is a greeting. It is a greeting of love. It is a greeting of acceptance. It is a greeting that says, I want to be part of you, and I want you to be part of my community. In John chapter 14, Jesus had already told the disciples that I am leaving you with a gift. He's going to leave, okay? He's going to leave them alone. They're not going to be with him, but he's going to leave a gift with them. And in John 14, 27, the Bible says that Jesus says, I'm going to leave you peace, peace of mind and heart. And the peace that I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be a troubled or afraid. Jesus' peace takes away fear. And they have felt so much fear by having Jesus and seeing him crucified. And they probably felt fear when they heard that he had resurrected. But Jesus says when he comes to them right after the resurrection, this is the very first time they see him. Jesus is coming to them, even in their doubts. And he says, I want you not to be afraid. I give you my peace. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, the Bible says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And this is a peace of community. Jesus was offering not just a peace of mind that would happen within us, but he was offering a peace that would happen in the whole community so that these 11 disciples and all the other disciples that were with them would have this peace of Christ that he would still rule in their lives, that he would give them this shalom, he would give them this well-being. And so Jesus comes to us, even in our doubts, even when we have doubts, and he offers us peace. But he offers us something else as well. He offers us the promise of the Holy Spirit. We see there that Jesus says that he, the Bible says that he, he breathed on them, verse 22. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This is a foretaste of what's going to happen in about six weeks. 
So we're in the season of Easter right now, and the season of Easter is about seven weeks. And so it goes from Easter Sunday to Pentecost Sunday. And so now we're one week there, so we're about six weeks away. We're one week away from Easter, six weeks away from Pentecost. But Jesus has given them a foretaste of what it will be like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He breathes on them the Holy Spirit, but later they'll be completely filled with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. But he's giving to them his presence. Think back to Genesis. In chapter 2, Adam was laying there. He had, didn't yet have life. And the Bible says that God breathed on him and he became a living being. He became a living soul. And that was his physical life. And now in the same way, as there is this new spiritual life that's being given to earth as Jesus is resurrected, that there is this spiritual life as Jesus is breathing on them, the Holy Spirit is the promise that they are going to be filled with God's presence and with his spirit. And this is what Jesus gives to us, even in the midst of our doubt. He gives us the promise that there is yet a better gift to still come. There's a promise that the Holy Spirit's going to come. And then notice that the very first words that he says to them is about forgiveness. And he says, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Jesus is giving them forgiveness. They are being reminded that they are forgiven. And that this is the message of the cross. In your outline, you see Romans 10, 9 through 10. Would you read it with me out loud? Romans 10, 9 through 10. This is the New Living Translation. Let's read it together. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is that by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. Jesus is alive now. The cross has taken care of our sins, and Jesus is resurrected now, the proof that he is a truly God. And now he's telling them that you have this message of forgiveness. And so in the same way that Jesus had told them that they were to go to the world, it says, and he breathed on them, received the Holy Spirit. He said, but before that, he goes, I'm sending you. I'm going to send you with the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to send you with this message. This is a precursor to the Great Commission, where Jesus is going to later give them the Great Commission to go out into all the world and to preach the gospel and to make disciples of all nations. And so in the same way that Jesus was giving them a foretaste of the touch of the Holy Spirit, this is a foretaste of the promise of the Great Commission that's going to come. And he's saying, I want you to go out into the world and I want you to tell the world this message that their sins can be forgiven. And this is the great message that you and I have to share with the world that the message of the cross and the resurrection is a message of forgiveness. And this is not to say that you and I are the ones who forgive people their sins. This is the message that we have, to say that if somebody confesses their sins to God, they will be forgiven. Now, if they don't confess their sins, they are simply not forgiven, as Jesus says there. He wants us to know that when we come to him, and when he comes to us, that there is a relationship that he's given to us, and there's a message that he's given to us, and there's a purpose that our lives have to live for him despite our doubts. And this is how Jesus treats those who have doubts. This is how Jesus treated those who had disappointed him. This is how Jesus treats those who said, well, it was nonsense. He comes and he proves his presence to them. Now, that was to the ten of the 11 disciples. 
But Thomas was missing that night. And the night that we have just been talking about is Easter night. But as we go to verse 24, we're now going one week later. And that's today. That's the day that it is right now, one week after Easter. And we read there in Tom, about Thomas in verse 24 of John chapter 20. And there it says, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. I will not believe. I don't know where you struggle um, in your faith with God, um, but we all do in different ways. And we could know that Jesus comes to us in our doubts, but there's something also really important, something that's the other side of the coin, something that helps us with our doubts, and that is that we go to him so that we can come to Jesus even with our doubts. We can go to Jesus even with the doubts that we have, even with the things in our lives that aren't yet complete, with the imperfections that we have of faith and of flesh. But when we come, we can be like Thomas, who can be a model for us. I'm glad that Thomas is in the Bible. You know, I'm glad that Thomas doubted, because I have somebody that I can relate to. I have somebody that I can turn to and say, you know what, if this is how Jesus treats Thomas, and this is how Jesus would treat me, but at the same time, this is how I can relate to Jesus, because like Thomas, I have doubts. Like Thomas, I also have faith. Thomas was a man who had great faith. He had great courage. When Jesus was going to go into Bethany, where he was going to raise his friend Lazarus from the dead, he'd be moving into the country of Judea. He would be moving closer to Jerusalem. And this was towards the end of his ministry. And Jesus had a lot of enemies. And so as Jesus had decided, he told his disciples, we're going to go to Bethany and we're going to go see my friend Lazarus and I'm going to raise him from the dead. And the disciples said, no, Jesus, you don't want to go to Judea. You don't want to go towards Jerusalem because that's where all your enemies are. And Jesus said, we're going, guys, pack up. I'm gone. And Thomas says in John chapter 11, 16, well, let's just go with him too, that we may die. Let's just go with him too, that we may die. Thomas is willing to die for Jesus. When Jesus was telling them that he was going to go away and that he was going to go to heaven and that he was going to prepare a place for all the disciples someday to live in, in heaven, Thomas didn't understand. And in John chapter 14, Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I'm so glad there's Thomas in the Bible. And I'm so glad that Thomas had his questions and that he wasn't afraid to embarrass himself in front of the other disciples. He wasn't afraid to ask Jesus the obvious questions at times or the hard questions. He wasn't afraid to put his life on the line and maybe even look like a fool. And so he just simply says, Jesus, you know, I don't know where you're going, so how can I know the way? And then we have this very important statement in the Bible where Jesus, in answer to Thomas's question, says, Thomas, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. 
And no one comes to the Father except through me. Thomas was honest with Jesus. And we can be honest with Jesus. That we can come to him with our doubts. Say, Jesus, I don't know where you're leading me, but I will still follow. This life that you're leading me towards may be difficult, but I will still trust you. Jesus, I can't see you here right now. And these other disciples said that you're alive, but I don't even believe that. Now, the disciples didn't believe, okay? But Thomas took it to a different level. Thomas's unbelief was far greater than the other disciples. He had an amazing amount of doubt. He had an amazing amount of honest questions that he refused to believe. And sometimes there are those moments in our own lives where, where doubt and faith come clashing together. And maybe we feel like, I can't believe unless God proves himself to me. I need more evidence. Now doubt, if we are willing to let it be something that moves us towards God, can be a good thing. Doubt and faith. There's their strange companions, but they can be friends. They can attract each other. They are like two different poles of a magnet. And they can bring us together and create a strong union. In your outline, there's a quote from a book by John Ortberg. And the book is called Faith and Doubt. And the quote says this, Disciples are not people who never doubt. They doubt and worship. They doubt and serve. They doubt and help each other with their doubts. They doubt and practice faithfulness. They doubt and wait for their doubt one day to be turned to knowing. We do doubt at times, but we are here. Thomas wasn't with the other disciples on Easter night, and so he missed out. We don't know why he wasn't there, but he wasn't, and he missed out. But he was there the next week, just as you are here. Now, last week, there were a lot of people at church, probably the biggest Sunday we had all year, right? The place was just packed out, and now you're here, and they're not, right? But that's good for you, right? Because you are in a place of blessing. You're in a place now where God can reach you. God can speak to you through these words. Those who are missing can't get this. Hopefully they're at another church getting God's word. But if they're not, they're missing out. Just like Thomas missed out Easter night not being there. We miss out when we are not with God's family. But when we are with God's family, we have the possibilities of helping each other with our doubts. We have the possibility of being in a place where Jesus will show up. And so we, like Thomas, need to be able to be honest with ourselves, come into the place of fellowship, come into God's word, come into times of prayer, come into worship. As, as John Arbrick says, we worship together even while we doubt because God will speak to us as we are honest about our needs for him. But then, when we come to Jesus, even with our doubts, we also need to come ready to be obedient. Ready to be obedient. Look with me in John chapter 20, and verse 26. And so this is where it, it validates the day that it is today, because it says a week later. A week later from Easter night, his disciples were in the same house again, in that upper room. And Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked 
Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Remember when Jesus appeared into the room the week before? The, 11, the 10 disciples had been together with some other disciples as well and with the women. And then Jesus just suddenly appears. The door was locked. He just miraculously appeared in that room. He didn't knock on the door and come in. He didn't open the door and walk in. Jesus' glorified body was now able to go through walls and was able to come and go as he pleased to appear and disappear. And he does it again a week later. And this time Thomas is there. And in the same words that Jesus greeted the other disciples, he says to Thomas, peace, peace be with you, shalom. Now, if it was me, I would have said something more like, where were you last week? Or why weren't you here? Or how could you leave? Or how could you doubt? But he didn't even say it to the other ten, who, as we remember, had said that they thought it was nonsense. And Jesus didn't, didn't scold them either. Jesus shows amazing grace to us if we're honest with our doubts. Jesus shows amazing love to us when we confess our sins. Jesus is so condescending to us that even when we doubt, he still loves us and he is still eager and determined to help us to grow in our faith. That's why it only takes a mustard seed of faith to please God. And yet without faith, we cannot please God. And so Jesus comes to Thomas. And Thomas had already said, as we, if you look back at verse 25, what did he say? Thomas said, unless, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, unless I put my finger where the nails were, unless I put my hand into his side, I will not believe. I won't believe. And in Greek, that word not, it means not, not. It means no, no. Never, never. I'm never, never going to believe. It's a double negative with strong, strong emphasis. And then Jesus, when talking to Peter, I'm talking to Thomas, in verse 27, he says, stop doubting. And the word doubting there is the word apistos. And apistos is faith. Ah is the negative. It means to have no faith. It means to have no belief. And Jesus is challenging Thomas with his words, when Thomas said, I will not, not, I will never, never believe. Jesus says, so? Will you not believe? I'm telling you, Thomas, stop doubting. Be obedient to me, Thomas. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas had demanded certain things of Jesus. He didn't know Jesus was hearing him. He didn't believe Jesus was alive. He had four demands. I want to see his hands. I want to see the nail marks, number one. I want to put my finger in the holes where those nail marks were. It's kind of gross. That's what he says. I want to put my hand in his side. And furthermore, I just won't believe. But then Jesus comes to Thomas that week later. And he had heard what Thomas had said eight days earlier. And he says, see my hands, Thomas. Put your finger in my side. Reach out and touch me. Stop doubting. Stop doubting. We can stop 
doubting. By obedience. Jesus' command is insistent. What he's saying to us is that doubt is indeed dangerous. There is mercy, but don't push it. Don't mess around with doubt. Be serious about doubt. Make a decision to believe. We can do that. We can make a decision to believe. It's possible because that's what Jesus was commanding Thomas to do. And Thomas, we might say, is sort of the poster child of doubt. I mean, you know, if you look up, um, if you type in the word doubting, which I did to look up different things on Google, it automatically goes to doubting Thomas, right? Right away, right? Worldwide, all right? And, and you know, he's up in heaven right now. And, um, and, and, it, and you know, and he, he's probably like, oh, my gosh, you know, that's why I'm known as doubting Thomas, you know. But in, but in heaven, he's not doubting Thomas. You know, he's St. Thomas. And, and, and I'm doubting Curtis. And I'm so glad that when I get to heaven, my name tag isn't going to call it Doubting Curtis. It's going to be St. Curtis. And the same will be true for you. Wherever your doubts are, wherever your struggles are, those sins, they're not going to be there. Your sins aren't going to be listed on you. People aren't going to read them on your forehead. The name of Jesus is what's going to be covering us. And we can believe this. We can choose to believe this. God wants us to believe. Now, now how can we choose to believe? It, it really isn't that hard. We just have to want to believe. We just have to want it. When we come truly wanting to believe and be blessed, then we will believe. So that's really the question. It's not can you believe. The question is do you want to believe? It always comes down to that. And witnessing different people and you talk to them and, and they go, well, I won't believe unless, unless God gives me a sign. I won't believe unless Jesus comes down and talks to me. Well, the command to believe won't work for them. But the question might. And the question is, do you want to believe? Because the answer probably is, no, not really. But if you want to, you can. In verse 28, to the end of our, our passage, the Bible says, Thomas said to Jesus, My Lord and my God, then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. These are the promises of God. Do you want these things? Do I want these enough? Do we want these so much that we will work through all doubt to believe? Doubt can be a good thing if it draws us towards God, if it helps us to seek God more. I, I don't know anybody, I've never met another Christian who has more doubts than I've had in my life. But one thing that I'm, I'm very thankful for, one thing that I, I feel very good about myself about, is that despite my doubts, they always make me seek God more. I want God more. I want those doubts erased. I want them taken away. 
I want to be in the presence of God's people. I want the, the effect of other people's faith to encourage my faith. I want to know the Bible. I want to pray. I want to experience miracles. I want to be filled with the Spirit. I want to have courage because I can see how often I don't have the very things that I want, but I want them. And so that doubt doesn't work negatively against me, but rather it draws me towards that which is positive in God. The only time that doubt is negative is if it leads me away from God or away from his people. But because I want it, and because you want it, and because we want it, then we can have it. We can believe. And we can have these blessings. Thomas was told by Jesus, you've seen me, Thomas. You've seen me, and you have blessings for that. But not just those blessings. Those blessings aren't just for you. Some versions of the Bible even say greater blessings are for those who have not seen and yet believed. That God has blessings for you and for me and for every other person who lived after the apostles died, who no longer was an eyewitness of Jesus, that God has said there are blessings, the same blessings the same gifts, the same love, the same forgiveness, the same hope, the same power, the same joy, the same happiness, the same glory that those disciples experienced on Easter night and the week later can be yours and can be mine. There are answers to doubt. There are answers to doubt. And, and the answers to doubt come in unique ways. The first thing, though, is we need to know that that answer to doubt does not come from theology. It doesn't matter how good your theology is. The disciples had pretty good theology. They knew who Jesus was, but they still had doubt. The answer to doubt is not even found in answered prayers. The disciples had seen miracles. They'd seen so many answered prayers, and yet they still doubted. The answer to doubt does not even come by giving up everything to God and by committing your whole life to him. Again, the disciples had done all that. They'd given up everything, literally everything. They were totally sold out. They were totally committed, but they still had great doubt. Now, those things aren't bad things. Those things are all good things. We need good theology. We need to pray. We need to be committed. Just trying harder will never take away doubt. I can't, like, myself to have faith, okay? I can't, to push away doubt, okay? So what is the answer? What is the answer to doubt? Okay, so this is, this is the, the key point. Okay, we had 31 minutes and 13 seconds on my timer here. We get to this point. All right, here it is. The answer is in the word my. My God. My Lord. The answer to doubt is in relationship. In your outline, you see 1 Peter 1.8. And it just simply says this. You, you love him, even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. You, personally, you, corporately, and to Thomas, and to you, and to me. The answer to doubt 
his relationship with the living God so that he isn't just a God. He isn't just the Lord. He is my God. He is my Lord. And he is the one that I'm placing my faith in. He is the one who reaches out to me and he is the one that I reach out to. And so then when we see my Lord and we see my God, we can obey. We can obey and truly believe. We can experience joy. We can trust him. We can rejoice. We can have things that the world cannot explain. They'll be invisible, but they'll be more real than anything else that you have in this world. And more than being real, they will last, and they will last forever. God loves us more than we could ever imagine, and he will be always willing to prove himself to us as long as we want him, as long as we seek him, and as long as we choose to believe in him because we cry out to him. Just cry out to him and say, God, you are my God. You are my Lord. I believe. I choose to trust. I have a relationship with you. You have a relationship with me, and it's the greatest thing in the world. I don't see you, God, but I truly believe. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time and for your goodness and for your grace. Lord, indeed, I believe that, that the answer to doubt is in the relationship. What Thomas said is, my God, that Jesus is God. My Lord, that Jesus is Lord. Just think about that. The God of creation, the Lord of the universe, is mine. I'm mine, beloved, and my beloved is mine. The living Lord who died on the cross for us says that I am yours and you are mine and I love you. And he says this to us now, and he's here right now, this room, though we cannot see him, he is here. And we believe, Lord, increase our faith. Increase our love. Fill us with your joy, this inexpressible joy of the resurrected Christ. In his name we pray. me now. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are here. You are God. You are present and our faith is in you and we believe with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind and all of our strength that you are the risen God in Jesus Christ. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and present you before his glorious presence without fault, with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen?
and amen. God bless your day.